The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Habs and Minded. Deadline special and the first of two episodes that one would presume because uh, we're recording this on Sunday the uh, 20th of March and it's early morning in Montreal and I'm joined by Anton Rasegård from Wales. Thank you for joining me Anton. Thank you for uh, having me Patrick. It's uh, it sounds a little bit like uh, you had a wee bit of a whiskey last night, but I've confirmed <coughs> that you haven't had enough whiskey because you no, exactly. have gotten a cold. Yeah, and it's not COVID. Uh, I've already had COVID twice, so uh, I kind of felt as well that this time it was different, and it was the the old cold from the past. You know, the the cold you could get uh, pre twenty twenty. So uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been in bed most of the week with a uh, slight fever, but all my tests came back negative. So. Um, so it feels kind of nice as well to know that you can get sick the old regular way. We're happy to hear that and we're happy yeah. to have you on as always. We're here to talk about the trade deadline and and obviously one trade has already come through and uh, that was venture uh, trade to uh, Florida who seems to be going all in trading for Giro as well. Yeah, I was going to say that about Florida. It really feels like if they don't, because we have to remember, I mean, it's it's always just one team that really has a successful playoff season. Like, look at Montreal, for example. Now that they didn't win the Stanley Cup and and ended up in the bottom this year, it kind of it, it could feel like it was almost all for nothing. And and for Florida, if they don't win, yeah, they will have they will have very little hope for like the coming seasons when it comes to you know building up a you know, building up something from underneath the draft capital and, and prospects because they are trading everything away right now. Uh, well, but they have a quite young team. That, yeah, they do. They do. So so there might not be in the same situation as Montreal, but... But it, uh, yeah. it's still, you know, I mean, that like if we look at Tampa, for example, they tra- traded for Brendan Hagel, which was, you know, also a ridiculous overprice when you consider what you're actually getting. But... The market is like that. It's it's you know a seller's market right now. At least you're getting two more years out of the deal, while Florida is just getting rental on rental uh, with both Giroux and Charot, for example. So, yeah, they can you know possibly extend them both, uh, but it will cost quite a bit of money, especially since you know. Uh, and some of the fan base in Montreal won't agree to this, but like Charot. Um, will get a, a ridiculous overpayment probably this summer, uh, considering what he actually gives you as a teammate. Yes, I understand that people say that you need the f- uh, physicality and the grit and you know the size and the playoffs. But and come what on. we have heard as well, leadership in the locker room. He was very, very uh, liked in the locker room, and he was one of the leaders there. Absolutely. But if you take away the playoff run, you know, like this was still a team that was 
extremely close to getting beat out in the first round by the Maple Leafs. They wouldn't even have been in the playoffs if it wasn't for, you know, the format with four teams from each division. So if his leadership is that important, he didn't do a very good job considering how mediocre the team was apart from that playoff run. So, so like, and, and also like, I mean, we know that the captain was, was Shea Weber and, and like, he was obviously, you know, the, the main leader on the team and all of these other guys, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been a veteran heavy team. Ben Trott has been a part of that. And I'm not saying he's a, bad player necessarily i understand that he can bring something for your team but if if montreal would have said no to this trade it would have been it would have been right out flat out stupid um it was an overpayment by by florida if they win no one will no one will care kind of like with blake coleman and barkley goodrow for uh, for the tampa bay um, I was going to say Buccaneers, but <laughs> by, by the Lightning. But but yeah, as of right now, Montreal gets three assets back. Two of those still have to count like premier assets. A first round pick in 2023, which is a heavy draft, a top heavy draft. And, and then uh, Ty Smilanik, which was, who was ranked 41 on the all consensus draft board um, as, as late as 2020, right? Or 2021? Yeah, 2020. Yeah, okay. So uh, no, uh, good business by uh, former agent Kent Hughes and and Jeff Gordon. Yeah, and uh, looking at, at we mentioned another team that maybe goes all in, uh, overpaying is the Tampa Bay Lightning, mm. and one can see that. On the other hand, they have two cup banners already. They've yeah. lost the final. They know what they need to get there again and to win yeah. again. So for them, this is not an overpayment because at one point or another their team will start to decline and then yeah. you're going to go into that rebuild again but right now they're in the thick of it so of course you overpay to get that player that you think will bring you that cup back to tampa yeah, exactly and, and tampa tampa has been doing this for for years and and it's worked out for them so like who are we to say that like they don't know what they're doing obviously julian brisbois knows what he's doing that's why they have won back-to-back cups um so like if if he and the and john cooper and and the rest of the staff thinks that brendan hagel will put them over the edge or help put them over the edge then you know i i i kind of believe that too um is it one team that i i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt when it comes to transfer negotiations and and trades it would be the tampa bay Lightning. it's interesting because florida obviously overpays for both giro and charat but but also you have lightning that overpays for for Hegel and yeah. uh, like and- G- Giroux is obviously like I mean he's he's a world class player when yeah. he's at his best so like is it an overpayment maybe not but it was also because Giroux um, had a, like a full no trade clause and he only wanted to waive it for Florida so since Florida's already kind of like given up uh, a few assets to uh, both the Sabres and then Canadians so they didn't actually have a lot to work with so they had to work around it and Flyers had to be happy with what they could get yeah but also it, the interesting thing is really that the cup run for either those teams is the other team yeah that's you, you have really to, fun I mean like it's like two superpowers in a way yeah uh, building up their teams in order to go against each other and and the rest of the league is 
sort of left with the spoils. Um, it reminds me of the NFL as well, where the AFC is just building up superpower on superpower, where, where the NFC is just like, well, it's Aaron Rodgers and it's Tom Brady and nothing else. Well, with those two, you, you could probably run you and me as wide receivers, right? Exactly. Uh, but but going back to hockey here, um, the, 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 the next one, obviously in Montreal, everyone above the age of 25 is being looked at as a potential trade uh, source or, or, or a potential trade in general. But the name that is being tossed out, and he's a huge fan of, I'm a huge fan of his. I don't sure he's a huge fan of mine. But uh, but if you're looking at it, it it's Arturi Lekonen. Yes. Having a great season so far, uh, becoming that player maybe that we thought he would be when we saw him in Frölunda ages ago. Uh, but with what Hegel got, you have to say that Montreal is will be looking for a similar return. Yeah, the only difference is obviously Lekkonen is a little bit older and he is an RFA after the season. So yeah, you retain his rights, but you have to negotiate a new contract. Whilst Hegel... But his contract is right now, what is it, 2.8? If I remember yeah, something correctly. like that. Yeah, And and. So you're not going to be, you don't have to overpay him or pay him like 4.5 or, or something. It's going to be a dent in your in your trade, in your cap, but it's not going to be a huge dent. Yeah, but it, it has to be... Unless he scores five and wins the cup. Yeah, but exactly. But it has to be a team that kind of can afford to keep him over the next few seasons as well. Otherwise, yeah. you won't... I mean, otherwise, you won't pay that premium because like Arturi Lekkonen has always been that middle six... Uh, 200 foot forward who can give you something in all aspects of the ice and he can add something on on uh, both special teams especially the, uh, the penalty kill obviously but now he's actually become that kind of goal scorer that he was in his um, in his freshman season freshman season in his um, rookie season as well like he's actually been a you know quality point producer this season as well so obviously if you believe the kind of economics that say that you should always sell high on an asset there is no better possibility than you know to trade Arturi Lekkonen than than it would be right now exactly and um, the return and and he used to say this well and um, it starts with the first round pick in either of this year or next year's draft and uh, yeah I'm not sure that anyone I mean like the closer we get to deadline and the closer everyone sees other teams building up, someone is going to overpay, maybe overpay for Lekkonen, but they're going to overpay for some one one or the other player anyway. Um, and regarding a contract and RFA, um, Hampus Lindholm, another Swede, obviously left Anaheim last night and uh, uh, landed in, in Boston this morning, from, from what I know. Yeah. And... Um, He's already worked out a new deal uh, in order to 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 be ready for Boston. What was it a eight year contract? Yeah, that blows my mind. He's a great player, though. Uh, not sure he's that great. Uh, no, uh, no. I was going to say he's a, he's a really good player, but like you know, eight years for a twenty eight year old defenseman, it always feels like those last two three years, man, they are going to be rough. But like Boston knows all of that. Like they obviously hope to keep his average annual value a little bit further down maybe by adding on a few extra years but we'll see what what deal it ends up being um yeah uh 
it will be it will be fascinating to see if there are offers on Arturi Lekkonen now in the 24 hours that 24 plus hours we have left before the deadline it will be interesting to see what kind of offers it actually is and and where where the bidding starts because like I saw I saw a tweet a few days ago where it was Toronto fans who were saying like well if we offer uh, our goaltender, our Marley's goaltender, Joseph Wall, and a third round pick, would it go through for Arturi Lekkonen? And like some experts said, yeah, that would probably work for both teams. And that was actually an insider for, for one of the teams or something. Both teams would be happy with that trade. And I'm just like, no. Yeah, it's not like uh, Montreal has a problem with goaltending, right? Or, no, exactly. Or, and, or the and pipeline. Getting another developmental goaltender and a third round pick. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not even a premium prospect. It's a 24 year old who, who like isn't lighting it up in the Marlies. So that would for sure, like, if Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon has some kind of sense of the trade market, they would surely say no to a trade like that from any team. And, and, and let's face it, they have had a good grasp on the trade market so far. So we're they have, them to yeah. have like, it's been a really, really strong uh, trade market for, for, or they've exploited the trade market very strongly in the last couple of weeks, what we've seen uh, since they arrived. And it's something that in some ways I feel more comfortable knowing those two are at the rudder or at the helm. Um, yes. Yes. Compared 100%. to when Mark Bergevin was. Yeah. It's also like, I mean, obviously we knew what Bergevin was after so many years, Um you know, the, just the nuance of having a couple of fresh eyes coming in and taking a look at the organization and, and the way that Jeff Gordon said that he wanted to build it as well with, with different types of personalities who know different things and getting an agent in and can't use and getting a former star player like Martin San Louis, who, who as the coach who like, you know, knows everything about like working from a tough start and, and, you know, becoming one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. And then adding Vincent Le Cavalier into the organization as well. Like it feels like a lot of great hockey minds together. And, and that's the good thing. If someone is kind of getting out there, I feel like the other ones can pull him back. Uh, and that's the good thing. It, it always felt like Mark Bergevin, like the bicep club, it was always Mark Bergevin called the shots and there was no one who could pull him back when he needed to. Yeah, I read this article about um, Jürgen Klopp in Liverpool, and yeah. I've forgotten the name of the capologist or, or the uh, the one that runs the uh, the contract work. Is it Michael uh, Michael Edwards or I mean? Yeah, I think the, it could yeah. be Edwards. Yeah, yeah. and uh, at the start they they found each other very fast at the start, and now Klopp says we have the offices next to each other, and the door is always open. Yeah. So we communicate all the time when it comes to contracts, when it comes to players that we are interested in, and we're looking at them at like both, and one can pull the other one in. When yeah. when one gets too excited, the other one maybe puts on their analytic glasses and and look at it another way and see is this right or should we both be excited or should we one of us be excited and the other one needs to to pull in the reins a bit. Yes. Um, it's, it feels a little bit like this is the system that has sort of developed in Montreal as well, and, and full credit to to taking that step from from uh, management and and making sure that they don't dive in headfirst in some cases. 
Yeah, and I was going to say, like, for for the first time in many years, full credit to Jeff Molson for actually realizing that we need someone who can look over the entire organization, like a director of hockey operations, like the way Jeff Gordon is. Like, not just having an unproven GM who's coming in and wants to make his mark, but actually, you know, has someone with experience that he can ask and then you have all these, like you have, you, you put an, a structure in place and it's kind of a perfect time as well. Now that the Canadians has a young core, which is improving now under Martin Saint-Louis um, and, and taking on the, the projected trajectory that we were hoping for. And then, uh, so you have someone who can actually develop these young guys. And then you have um, a structure in place that's actually from the bottom up can kind of like, make things better in the in the upcoming five years um I, I i can imagine that they want to take a proper crack at the laval rocket and the uh, uh echl team as well and just improve facilities and improve everything there maybe improve coaching staff and all that when it comes to the summer because they obviously didn't like it's been a lot to do and they came in in november december january so uh, but just, you know, making sure that the structure is sound like the Tampa Bay Lightning has done. That's why. No, I was just going to say, like, that is why Tampa Bay is such a successful organization. Why they are up there in the top. Because, like, it's not just about players. If it was just players, then Toronto Maple Leafs would have won, you know, a Stanley Cup by now. But, like, it's building an entire structure that, you know, players can come in and succeed in. Need. And speaking about summer, yeah. um, like there are obviously the rumors about Petrie. There's even rumors about Gallagher, mm. Byron, and and quite Ar- Armia, Armia, obviously, yeah, for sure. And there are quite a few players that could go. But do we expect them to leave within, yeah, as you said, 20, 24 hour plus, uh, or or are we expecting them to move maybe more towards summer? No, I think like the way that Kent Hughes was talking on the press conference after the Sherrod trade was kind of like, we're not going to sell just to sell. It's not a fire sale. And if we don't get the, you know, an offer that we can't refuse to speak a little Corleone language here, um, then they're not going to sell. So even if Jeff Petrie, for example, has had a bad season, there's nothing saying that he can't bounce back with, you know, a proper summer training and, and uh, you know, just having a bit of time off and, you know, just coming back with a, you know, fresh head for, maybe, for next maybe, year. Maybe not having to be Jeff Petrie and Shea Weber at the same time. And Joel Edmondson. Like, and I mean, he, yeah. yeah. So obviously he's had a tough year and he's been asked to do a lot more than he should. And, and now we know that Jeff Petrie can't be asked to be a number one and number two defenseman, which was kind of unfair to him. Um, but like, if there are teams interested, I think that, well, Joel Armia is kind of a guy that he's become a fringe guy on this team now. There are replacements for him and, and there are a lot of wingers in the organization. So I can imagine that if you can get rid of that cap hit, then you would probably do it because it was kind of, it, it, it already looks like an overpayment on, you know, just money and, and, and term. But when it comes to Gallagher and and Petrie, it just feels like you know that they are culture guys uh, that are signed up for a long time. 
And you know that what you've seen this season has kind of been an unusual low if you look at their whole career. So if someone doesn't wow you with an offer, there's really no use in, in letting them go. You said that uh, they're not looking, they're looking to improve for the future, not just for one or two years down yeah. the road. Um, you mentioned uh, Armia's contract that is uh, a little bit heavy. Yeah. Um, but with that in mind, how much of the salary could Montreal um, keep uh, paying Yoel Armia for, for another team? And in, in some ways, um, what could be an offer that Montreal wouldn't say no to? That would probably be take the whole cap hit, but but I mean, let's be realistic here. Yeah, yeah. He he signed up until twenty four twenty five, right? Yeah. So three point yeah. four mil. Yeah. So that like I I think in that case that you want you would rather just take a fringe, fringe prospect or a fringe pick and just get rid of it altogether, if someone can take take it on. because like it, it feels better to like when it's three more seasons. And you're you have guys like Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield who are already showing that, you know, with the full summer of Martin Saint Louis training, like they can be absolutely lethal next year. And I don't think that the rebuild looks as long as Kent Hughes thought it would be when he entered the building. So having to pay, you know, a million or a million and a half on a player that's not in your organization could actually end up hurting you long term and like Joel Armia is not a bad NHL player he's also been unusually low uh, in his efforts this season so you could just hope for a bounce back and and poss- possibly saying uh, selling him next season uh, for, for for a bigger for a bigger profit also if Mon- if Montreal uh, loses Lekkonen there is the spot for Joel Armia to more or less slide directly into unless you keep definitely up there and, and give him the chance to to play with a big club and, and but then you could essentially trade Joel Armia anyway yeah I was gonna say like I mean if you take away Petrie and and Gallier Joel Armia is probably the only bad contract looking at it right now uh, because we've obviously seen Josh Anderson becoming that power forward that could be really useful for for the Canadians long term and and Paul Byron's contract which is also 3.4 million it ends after next season so it really doesn't matter it's just one more year and then yeah you have Christian Dvorak signed on on 4.4 but like he is a a proven middle six center in the in the league it will be interesting to see if they if they look actively on trading Dvorak yeah That, that that is a name that keeps popping up maybe because he hasn't really been able to do what was asked to him yeah he hasn't to, found his spot in, in in a way to replace Dano and Kotkaniemi as well a little bit yeah, like it, Petrie had yeah exactly exactly uh, but um, yeah but that, uh, that's it, also like uh, kind of like the others like there is a role to play if he stays there is really now that Ben Chirot and well Toffoli was all obviously one that had could could have stayed on but now that Ben Chirot is traded there's really no one that you have to trade it's just about like getting an offer that potentially could potentially wow you into doing so and it would be it would be nice to you know just stock your further like further stock your your cupboard with uh, with draft picks and prospects because 
why the hell not get a future asset in instead of someone who is starting to look like a ha- like a has been in the Canadians organization. The one player that we haven't spoken about really would be Jonathan Dreyer. I'm not. Mm. I, mean, I don't think they will trade him. Uh, I no, think, look. I think I they'll keep him around, but uh, also because the market would probably be quite low for him now. Yeah, and you would have to. You, you might get more next year when he's a UFA in in 23-24. Yeah. Uh, so you will be able to maybe, um, and especially if he gets that kind of value that we saw last year before his uh, timeout and uh, it'd be great to see him back on the ice now and see how he can do and how he can uh, because he started this season very well and um, I had high hopes for him this season yeah yeah it's like Jonathan Dryan is a special chapter and it's kind of sad because it just feels like whenever he gets going something happens that just derails his seasons um and you know what you really would like is just for him to get the chance to get an extended extended period of, of play in front of him with a clear coaching directive where he has a you know a, a, a clear role on the power play and on a middle six line uh, a point producing line where he can just be that you know that funny trickster um, and and playmaker that we all know he has the capability of being. Indeed. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with uh, an update on who's traded where and and for what. Um, hopefully joined by uh, Matt Drake and um, uh, Jared Book. Um, we uh, appreciate you having taken the time to listen to us, maybe on your morning commute, maybe on Sunday afternoon. It's a lovely Sunday afternoon here in Sweden. I'm not sure how it is for, for Wales, but... Um, oh, it's a lovely day. You're gonna you're gonna enjoy an even better day in a few days' time when you go on a trip to Rome. So uh, yeah. who knows? Maybe we get a podcast from Rome. We're gonna tick off the boxes here in Europe and see where we can go to next. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow our eyes on the prize uh, on the podcast networks or subscribers that you have, so you don't miss an episode. Especially not Matt breaks bottom six minutes after every game. Fantastic work by Matt. You can follow him on Twitter as well. Thank you.